new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. we got the whole crew with us again, Kip Adams and Benjamin Wolk. Getting ready for it, guys. Can you believe this? This is the end of July. It is almost August. It is the week that Georgia starts fall camp. Believe it or not, uh, football is just right around the corner. Kip, my biggest question is, are you ready? Uh, no, I'm not, but that's the fun of it, you know, uh, this is this is what we all prepare for all year long. We talk about this, and now when talking season ends, we we just kind of sit back and enjoy the ride. You know, there, you you never really know what to expect. That's what makes college football great. And uh, let, let's see what happens this year. I mean, I think uh, you know, other than you know the those new rules, I'm sure have fan bases scared. You know, as can be to not storm the field this year. I think. Uh, you know, I remember us talking about that and how that was going to change the college football landscape. I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, what happens to goalposts and, and things this season uh, under these new rules and guidelines for schools because those fines, I mean, good, good grief. I know a lot of programs are probably, you know, telling their fan bases right now, handing out letters, don't storm the field. So let's, let's see what happens. I think some fans are afraid to make too much noise. Maybe it'll cost the old alma mater a little bit of money. Ben, how about you? You've, you've been out of the game a little bit. What's the excitement like knowing that uh, fall camp's almost here and we're getting ready for the season? Yeah, when you texted me, I think it was Friday, saying, hey, next week, here's the schedule for fall camp. These are the days that we're looking. We're going to get coaches. We may get some practice availability. I got so fired up, Jordan. I'm so ready for practices i'm so ready for games i've already been out doing high school practices and things like that so i've already gotten a little bit in the football is back mode but some hits a little bit different for that first kirby smart press conference at butt smear and i think this week getting that everything's just going to feel a little bit closer definitely and can't wait to get there and you know we'll have plenty of content from that so to set the Stage four, what will be the bulk of this episode? We're going to do our fall camp breakouts draft. Uh, Kip and I did something very similar back in spring. And just for parameters for anyone who's listening who missed it back in the spring, what that will be is the three of us will each pick five players who we think is going to make significant noise during fall camp. Who is going to stand out? Who are some of the guys that by the time we're getting uh, really turning the page to that UT Martin opener? Uh, that we think you know could play a bigger role than we expected and if you listen to this draft it's important to remember that these are breakout players that these are guys 
that, you know, aren't necessarily your stars yet. You know, if you listen to this and you go, how did they not get Brock Bowers or Lab McConkey? They're off the board. They're, they're guys that uh, are not eligible to be drafted. Um, and uh, we're going to get into that draft in a few minutes, but there are a few uh, newsworthy items that we need to open the podcast with. And the biggest one is, uh, believe it or not, Georgia got another commitment Sunday night, getting four-star linebacker Christopher Jones from Fairfax, Virginia, 6-2 to 20, picked Georgia over Michigan State and Florida. Uh, another addition for Georgia, back to 26 commits in this class. I'll start with you, Ben. What stands out to you about Christopher Jones and the job Georgia did in convincing him to be a Bulldog? Well, I think – the, what stands out to me is we, we've talked about guys like Justin Williams that Georgia's tried to recruit at linebacker really fast, maybe a little bit undersized, transitioning from defensive back to linebacker. Chris Jones sort of fits into that different prototype of linebacker. You could play inside. You could play a little bit outside. I think early on in his career, he'll probably be asked a little bit more to do special teams, pin your ears back and get after the passer a little bit. But I think what will be interesting to see with Chris Jones right now, he's 6'3", 230. I think it'll be interesting to see how does he develop? What does he turn into as a linebacker? Because I think there's a lot of flexibility there. I think my big takeaway is just from talking with Chris Jones and seeing how, you know, Glenn Schumann reacted to the commitment and some things like that. It, I think that this is a big culture fit for Georgia as well. He's a guy that I think Georgia really, really likes in terms of what he's got going on between the ears. When I talked to his high school coach, I think the thing that stood out to me most was when he talked about why or what Chris Jones was really trying to get out of the new high school that he's at Fairfax, like what is, what did he do during his first three years of high school? And what is he really trying to get out of his senior season? And what he said was, is I've been used in the past athletically. I've been used for what I can do for my size and my speed, but I really want to make sure as I'm preparing for college football, that I'm learning the game, that I am being used and understand scheme and fit and all of those things, the way that I need to, to be prepared at the college level. His high school coach this year actually had another guy last season named Tony Rojas, who, if you're really in the weeds of Georgia recruiting, you know Georgia recruited him as a linebacker as well. Ended up at Penn State, really talented guy in his own right. And so that his head coach, Trey Taylor, got a chance to know Glenn Schumann a little bit throughout that recruiting process. And I think he really sees Chris Jones and Glenn Schumann as a great fit just from a mindset perspective in terms of what Chris is going to bring to the linebacker room. So I think it's a guy that Georgia's, you know, really, really excited about. And, um, you know, he, he chose Georgia over Florida, Michigan state. Don't, don't tell the Florida folks that they're kind of mad at me right now for insinuating that in the headline. But um, those are the programs that he was looking at other than Georgia. Kip thoughts on Christopher Jones and also the, the hole that Georgia has gotten at linebacker. It's sort of funny to me looking at this class, you look at what they did last year and bringing in guys like CJ Allen, Raylan Wilson, and Troy Bowles. You sort of wondered what it would look like this year, but doesn't seem like there's been any kind of drop off or any sort of hesitation from some of these top linebackers picking Georgia. Yeah. I mean, be better never rest. Right. So I think uh, Glenn Schumann's looking at that room and, and saying, you know, why would I slow down? You know, uh, why stop now? And you, you look at adding a guy like Chris Jones, you look at what Glenn Schumann tweeted yesterday when Chris Jones committed, you know, size, speed, attitude uh, as been mentioned, uh, kind of the mindset that Chris Jones is trying to bring to the table. But also more than that, he also tweeted a, you know, a, a, a play from Quay Walker. And you start looking at what, you know, Chris Jones brings to the table, a bigger linebacker, a guy that 
you can use in, in you know multiple situations who can come downhill, who can fill gaps, but also can can blitz off the edge, you know, has that kind of potential link to him as well. So just one of the, you know, a bigger linebacker, like you said, that you can pair with Justin Williams and now, you know, set your sights on Chris Cole, uh, you know, bringing another three linebackers, uh, a guy that uh, hyper athletic, if they can land Chris Cole as well in the, in the next couple weeks in August, if they can beat out, you know, Miami, uh, Virginia, other schools, but you have another excellent trio of top 10 linebackers overall in the country. So I, I think that's, that's just where Glenn Truman is as a recruiter, but also he just wants to keep that position room stacked. And I'm pretty sure Kirby Smart does too, because you know that a lot of these guys you're recruiting are probably going to be three-year guys. And so you want to continue to get guys in here that, you know, are, are highly talented and come in and, you know, if not uh, get in the too deep, but help out on special teams. And I think the, the special teams is an aspect where Georgia just continues to upgrade just overall the athleticism and everything. And, you get in there in, that, in this program in year one, that's that's where you can make that impact. And that's where Kirby Smart likes to see these guys make an impact. So I really think that, you know, they added a big-time player. And it, it's funny, you look at last year's group. Uh, they signed 26 players in the last class. It was the number two group in the country. I think it, the, the, the score on the 24-7 sports is 315 points. Well, here we are. It's July 31st as we record this show. And – Georgia's got 26 commits right now, a group that's got over 311 points in the team class ranking. So right now they have a class comparable to last year's class. And I just think that that shows you the recruiting equity that, that Georgia has right now, the momentum they have. And they got some big time guys that are coming off the board, at, you know, at the end of uh, this week as well. So uh, they could have a higher score, uh, you know, by the end of this week than, than they had in last year's class, which was, uh, you know, again, an elite class. So I just think Georgia right now, they're, they're doing all right on the recruiting trails. To pick up with what Kip had left off there, Ben, going into August, who are the names Georgia fans should pay attention to in recruiting? Some of the decisions we're keeping an eye on and, and just to, who to watch out for in the next few days and weeks. Well, in the next week, I mean, there's really two big commitments that I know all Georgia fans will be watching closely. August 5th, K.J. Bolden. Everybody's heard everything about him. We hope to get a little bit more clear answers. We know it's been a crazy recruitment here down the stretch. So that's something we'll be watching heading into August 5th. August 6th, Nate Frazier running back out of modern day. Uh, I, I really do, Kip. I don't know if you agree, but I like where Georgia sits with Nate Frazier heading into that decision. Um, and then I think the other thing we'll be watching, who else ends up making their decisions in August? I think a lot of these guys want to get their decisions out of the way before their senior season start. Williams Wannery out of Lee's Summit, Missouri, I think is one that we'll certainly be watching. Kip, is there anyone that I'm blanking on that we should be watching in terms of August commitments? Uh, gosh, I mean, right now when you start looking at the the guys who can commit next, it's it's pretty front-loaded, but... I think August is kind of when a lot of these high schools want their guys to make decisions. So you could see, a, you know, a couple of guys who, you know, might be on the fence, uh, go ahead and pull the trigger. I think, you know, uh, Williams one area is the guy, the edge defender. You start looking at uh, elite guys that, that Georgia's, you know, battling Missouri, Oklahoma with, that's kind of the guy that I'm, I'm wondering, you know, does he decide to announce his decision in the next couple of weeks? Uh, he, he's been able to, to check out the all of his programs. I think he's seen everything he wants to see right now. That could be a guy that, you know, Georgia lands in this class. You start talking about that edge rusher position. 
and he kind of fits that perfectly. He can, you know, he could play four eye, but he could also play the the six tech. You know, he could he could play standing up. So he kind of does a little bit of everything well. And I think he's a guy that's very high on Georgia's board, and they've recruited very well. So he's kind of, that's kind of that one recruitment I'm watching. I think the rest of the guys like Aiden Breland, you know, uh, Cam McKell. I think those are guys that kind of take it into the season. LJ McCray. You know, George would love to have him at any point. They can get him as well. But I just think those are recruitments that are probably going to go into the season because it's just really close. And if it's really close like that, I don't think these guys are ready to make a decision because if they make one now, they'll probably end up making another one by, by the time December comes around. Yeah, Aiden Breland, uh, LJ McCray, Chris Cole. Those are a few that probably will leak a little bit into the season, I guess, that I'll be watching to see if they end up speeding up those timelines at all. Another storyline out of the last few days I think we should talk about is more conference realignment. Just when you think uh, it is over, it has only just begun. With the news that Colorado is headed back to the Big 12, uh, a lot of rumors, a lot of uh, suggestions from people around the various conferences of what could come next. Uh, You know, my thought on this is that I really think the SEC may be okay staying put, but... The question is going to be if they want to make a move before the Big Ten does. You know, if the Big Ten, you know, there's already rumors on Twitter. I've seen a bunch of people posting different things about Florida State and Clemson. That seems to be the two teams everyone's really interested in in seeing what they do. Um, I've always thought they make sense for the SEC, and I I would like to see them be added. Uh, But, you know, it kind of feels like we're going closer and closer to that two-team super conference and and just seeing what happens from there. Kip, what do you think about Colorado's move? And it sounds like, you know, another team, perhaps Arizona, could be headed to the Big 12. Um, what it means more so on the SEC side of things, what the SEC could do um, just based on some of the, the latest conference realignment moves. Yeah, the SEC has to kind of uh, hoe the line a little bit because you're right, it, it does not have to do anything. And it is in the biggest position of power possible. But you also have to look back and see what the Pac-12 didn't do. You know, when it when it news broke, Texas and Oklahoma are joining, you know, the SEC and leaving the Big 12. Right there, that, that conference was, the Big 12 was there for the picking for the Pac-12. I mean, they had all the power. You had Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, TCU. I mean, they, they all were wanting an invitation, you know, just to get into a, 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 the, the big conference because they looked at the Big 12 and said, everyone's leaving. And, and the Pac-12 didn't do anything. And they, they wasted their opportunity, the, you know, that window that they had. And now they're waiting to see if Arizona and, and maybe even Arizona State as well decides to leave their conference. Uh, and, and they've completely fumbled their TV deal as well. So uh, I think you, you kind of you look at that and you, you do not want to make those same mistakes. So I think for, for the SEC, it's not just about adding. Right now, you got two teams coming in and you have to make sure that this TV deal uh, is advantageous for your conference as well. So I, I think you have to you have to manage both those things and, and evaluate the other teams. If we add more teams now, then we need, we need a whole new TV deal all over again. So I think there's lots of things for, for them to decide, but yeah, be aggressive. Uh, I mean, uh, if those teams fit what you're looking for in the conference and, and bring a lot to the table, then I don't think that, you know, they should hesitate. It, it all comes down to whether you're willing to wait for the ACC to, to crumble or, or, or pay that fee to leave the conference. I think it's what it's like 
a hundred million, over a hundred million dollars they'd have to pay. That's probably going to have a, a pretty significant factor in whether any teams leave that conference anytime soon. Setting something like that aside, Ben, I want to ask you a different question than I posed to Kip. As a fan of SEC football, what do you want the SEC to do next? If that if that is make a move, or if that is stay pat at sixteen once Texas and Oklahoma's in the league. I, mean, I, I like pure chaos, Jordan. So I want some kind of relegation system, right? Like I want people being able to be removed, maybe survivor SEC where people get to choose who gets to leave the SEC, like just something to spice things up. But in terms of actual realistic moves, I mean, I want to see Clemson in the conference. I think that that's a team that Georgia should be playing on a regular basis anyway. So I think that that's someone that might as well be in conference. I know that you're going to get pushback from the other team in South Carolina, obviously there, but it, it seems like we've passed the point of, and I know there was a point in time with conference realignment where teams like Florida and South Carolina were going to push back against the other in-state teams from entering the conference. I think we've passed the point on that being something that there's any kind of legitimate conversation around. I think money has become too much of the primary factor in all of this that if Florida State and Clemson are at the point that they need to be joining the conference, it makes the most sense for them or it makes the most sense for the conference. I don't think that any pushback that Florida or South Carolina have will have much merit there. Um, and if I'm looking for like a, I mean, I would like one of the North Carolina teams to join the conference from a football and basketball perspective. I mean, I think UNC would be the most logical of the group, but I think, I don't know. It's weird for me to think that the ACC is just going to deteriorate like this just because of what it's meant for multiple sports for so long. But, um, yeah, North Carolina would probably be the one that would be the most intriguing from a multi-sport level. If you wondered about pushback getting you anywhere, just remember Texas is now in the SEC, and I don't think Texas A&M was the most excited about that. Besides some of the North Carolina schools, one that I threw on our board the other day and I still stand by. I think it would have been fun if the SEC had added West Virginia. I mean, that's not going to probably be a national title contender, but I think those would have made for some pretty interesting regional rivalries. And and even, you know, looking at like A&M and Alabama, you know, Saban and Jimbo are both from West Virginia, sort of having, you know, interesting ties like that. And, hey, I'm kind of convinced after this season, Jimbo may be the coach at West Virginia. So uh, I think that uh, West Virginia would have been a fun one to throw in there too. And any school where your fans burn couches after you win a game to go eight and four is a school that should be in the SEC like that. That's just SEC culture right there. You took the word trot out of my mouth. Well, we are going to take a quick break, come back and get into the fall camp breakout draft. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Well, we are drafting now, and the way we are going to set up this draft order, very scientific. A random.org. We are going to pick numbers. Uh, we'll go one through 10. Kip, you get to pick first. I'll pick second. And then Ben, as he is the, the newest of the Dogs 24 7 crew, will pick last. So, Kip, give me a number one through 10. Three. All right. I am going to go with six. All right, Ben, what do you want? I'll go seven. <laughs> All right. So the number was three. Oh, Kip. The so Kip gets first pick. Let's I get go. second pick. And Ben has the last pick, which is honestly not a bad spot because you get to come back around. I was going to say, are we doing the snake wraparound? All we're right. we're going to go snake. And I definitely I took notes mm. to make sure I got the order right because I feel like with the two last time, I, I kind of got between Kip and myself. But Kip, That's you tough. are on the board. Uh, there may be a few moments when it gets thrown to me. I, I'm kind of taking notes and keeping up with our draft order. Uh, but Kip, you are officially on the clock. All right. Well, let's start off Team Kip. It's it's let it rip season here uh, on T Kip. And I'm 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 going Carson Beck right off the top. I, I think it, it, this is his job to lose, but also it's also his job to take the reins and just and it, you know, take the bull by the horns and go with it. You know, this is what Kirby Smart wants. He wants him to to go ahead and, and blow the doors off this thing, look great under Mike Bobo as offensive coordinator, and and make this decision easy for him. Uh, I don't expect him to announce anything anytime soon, but, you know, you want to get through those first couple of weeks of practice, see what you got. But th- th- this is Carson Beck's time. He's been working for this. Uh, you know, we've seen what can happen at Georgia – the quarterback waits, bides his time, and then when he's ready and confident, just goes with it and lets it rip. And that, that's what uh, I think Carson Beck's going to do in fall camp here. Obviously, we've talked about the weapons he's going to have at his disposal, uh, especially with the, the working with the ones. Uh, they're going to make him look great. And I think at the same time, his arm talent's there uh, for him to, to really uh, you know shine in fall camp. Uh, and uh, it might be slightly different if they were letting their quarterbacks get hit but i think you you give carson beck time back there i think he's going to carve up maybe not the starting georgia defense but most defenses in college football so i'm ready to to see the reports uh from jordan and everyone on carson beck shining this fall in camp i grabbed carson back in that spring breakouts and kept made sure he was not on the board at number two i will say what is going to be big on that pick and seeing how it pans out is what we hear from those fall scrimmages what was really nice about doing the spring draft was we had g day where we could see it with our own eyes and maybe we'll get to see a little bit of practice but i think it's gonna be a lot of word of mouth on these quarterbacks and be curious how much people are willing to talk all right so i have the number two pick and I feel pretty good about this pick. I'm going with a guy that's a little bit older, Xavion Sori, and a former five-star, a guy that I got thrown into action at the end of spring with uh, Smile Munden getting hurt, not playing at G-Day. Xavion Sori winds up leading his team in tackles. I think he had seven tackles at G-Day, was flying around the field. 
a big piece of this is the question mark about smile is how quickly he's going to return from that foot injury. Kirby told us a little bit at SEC media days. It didn't sound like, uh, I, I think it's pretty confident to say when we open fall practice on Thursday, that smile is not going to be full go. And we know too, you know, whether Kirby smart and the coaches are going to admit this, they have a little bit of a runway with these guys because of how the schedule sets up. UT Martin, Ball State, you do have South Carolina, which is going to be an important game, and then UAB. I think they're going to be really smart and methodical about getting Smile Munden back. I think it's a great opportunity for Xavion Soria, a guy that I had kind of written off, to be honest. You know, he hadn't played big roles, and you'd seen what Smile and Jamon had done. Uh, I really think that Xavion is going to have – a big fall camp, and that they're going to feel good about the inside linebacker position with Jamon Demas Johnson and Xavion Sori as Smile works his way back into form. All right, Ben, you are up with the third pick, and you can take that pick and then just jump right into the next round. The next one. All right, so I, I, this is my number one overall pick, actually. I mean, I guess Kip went with the quarterback, so I guess that makes sense. But Dominic Lovett. Um, was, was he on the do not draft list? Did I miss that on the do not draft list? All right, I'm just making sure. All right, he's new, he's new here, so he's got to prove himself. All right, I mean, he's a guy that I think, uh, you know, Georgia doesn't go into the portal often. Georgia went into the portal, knew exactly who it is that they wanted to get out of it, got it. Um, I expect Georgia's offense to be really good from a passing perspective this season. I think Dominic Lovett will probably lead the charge there. So, uh, from a you know, Big play, exciting moments perspective. I think I just, I think I just won the first round of the draft. I'm just gonna say that. Um, and then with my second pick, first pick of the second round, I'm gonna go on the field, on the field interest only. Uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Um, you know, obviously, I think that he's gonna be a big factor on the defensive line. I didn't, I didn't know if I needed to jump in and explain myself there. Um, you know, I think he's going to be someone that is a really, uh, you know, big factor on the defensive line. I think that, you know, he's an older guy, so I don't know if he's necessarily considered quite as breakout as some, but I think that this year he'll take that step forward. And I think that he's someone that George is really going to be relying on to make plays on the defensive front this year. All right. I am back up and I'm staying with the defense. I'm going with Julian Humphrey, a guy that going into spring, I had kind of thought was maybe a tier below the two people I felt like were the primary guys competing to replace Keely Ringo uh, in Dalen Everett and Nyland Green. And you kept hearing about Julian Humphrey and heard about him some more going into the summer. And at media days, he was mentioned to me at one point. I think he's a guy, even though he's young, he came in the same class as Dalen. Uh, got a lot of speed. I had a chance, uh, I think that might have been uh, before the national championship game when we had that availability, talked to Fran Brown about his ability, about what Julian brings to the table. I'm really excited about him. I think this is a three-man battle for that cornerback spot. And I think with the amount of experience he's got under his belt, I think he sets up well uh, to get in this competition and have a real chance to win it. Yeah, I like Julian. All right. All right, Kip. I, I think we, I think we're all doing well so far. Mm -hmm. Kip, uh, you are next up. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna uh, stick uh, in the secondary as well with my my first pick at least. I'm gonna go uh, Jonel Aguero. I, I think uh, he's a guy that I've heard great things. I've heard this summer that 
his athleticism has been very apparent in the summer workouts. And I think, again, his progression in fall camp, they're going to give him every opportunity to, to get snaps at that star position. I think they're, you know, they're going to push him, see what he's capable of. And I, I, I would not be surprised, you know, if, if he doesn't start the season at star, if he doesn't push Tyke Smith for the starter snaps, I think he's going to play an important role early on, especially in those early games. Those are going to be some opportunities for a lot of guys to play a lot of snaps. But I just think in fall camp, they're going to put the pedal you know, to the metal and, and see what he's capable of in, in fall camp. So uh, he might not be announced as a starter in that first depth chart that we get, but I think that he has an opportunity to earn a very important role early on this season. And I think they, they think the world of him right now heading into fall camp. So that, that's my first pick right there. Second pick. You know what? Uh, I, I feel pretty good uh, about, you know, your selection as far as being a guy that's going to push at cornerback. I still love Dalen Everett. You know, I remember, uh, you know, Humphrey was kind of that guy at the end of spring camp uh, that, you know, really was working there with, with the ones got a lot of buzz there, but I, I think, you know, as, as the summer goes on and now in the fall camp, I think Dalen Everett is the guy that's going to swing that pendulum back in his favor just because uh, of what they're going to ask him to do opposite of Kamari Lasseter. I think if we're talking pure coverage, doing Humphrey all day, I mean, he is, he might be the best pure cover corner guy on on the team. This is his ability to, you know, his recovery speed, his overall athleticism. Uh, Dalen Everett just brings a little bit of everything to the table. I think, you know, he's he's right up there with with the best cover corner guys on the team. But also, you know, they're not afraid to leave him out there, you know, and run support. He's not a liability in that area either. I think he's that kind of guy that's going to come into fall camp make that push and, and and really separate himself not just from Julian Humphrey but also you know now and green and, and both of the hair you know the Harris guys Daniel and AJ are, are impressing as well in the workouts I, I think you know this competition is as tough as it gets but I think Dalen's going to be the guy that comes out on top in the end so you know what I, I'm going to take him right off the top of if you uh, taking Humphrey, and I'm going to bet that he's the one that comes out on top in the end. I think Georgia's got a good problem to have at cornerback. I really think all three of those guys, Nylon Green included, are really gifted and have shown that they are up for the challenge. So I think that uh, you really can't go wrong, in my opinion. Although I will still say I like my pick uh, since, I, since I had the choice of uh, all three on the board. Uh, I'm up next. I'm going offense for the first time. And we were joking before we started recording that Kip was uh, thinking about going uh, an alphabetical strategy and you really couldn't go wrong with it. Uh, I'm going to stop him from doing that after he got Jonell and I'm getting Dylan Bell. I think that he's got a chance and I think it's very easy to have overlooked and maybe written off some of the receivers in this room after they went and got Dominic Lovett, after they went and got Rara Thomas I think that Dylan is a really impressive receiver. You know, I'm thinking about a play that wound up not even counting, but if you guys remember that play he had against Vanderbilt where he was sideways on the pile and jumped up, wound up running like 70 yards for what we thought was a touchdown, they wound up calling it back. But uh, I won't get over going back to last fall camp, seeing him for the first time in person and just being like, oh, my God, who is this guy? I mean, he just – he looks the part. I, I think that he's got a chance to be very, very impressive. 
I think he's got a chance to make his name known. And uh, I'm expecting big things. What that looks like as far as snaps and reps, I don't know. Uh, but I'm very high on Dylan Bell, and I think he's got a chance to stand out. Um, All right, Ben, yeah. have All at right. it. Uh, I, I, you know, another one that I had really high up on my list, Ernest Green. I feel like there's no respect for offensive linemen out here right now. What is a new left ta- as as a new starting left tackle with a new starting quarterback? Not not good enough for either of you two. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Ernest Green. Obviously, I think it's a position that people are going to be watching very closely. I think that given what Georgia's done at the tackle position over the last few years, like I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion, but I fully expect Ernest Green to be a really uh, big and capable contributor for Georgia. Um, my next pick that I will go with is got two at the linebacker spot that I really want to take. Are we only, are we only taking five, five picks or are we doing more than that? We're going five picks, so make them count, Benny boy. All right. I'm going to go Jalen Walker. Um, I think that he just is going to be able to be utilized in so many different ways. I think we talked earlier about Chris Jones and the type of that big linebacker that you can do a lot of different things with, and it's exciting to see how you can see that development progress. I think Jalen Walker is exactly one of those type of guys, and I think especially with some of the injuries – at that position to start the year, I think Jalen Walker is going to start the season out really, really strong. That's a very good pick, and I think that might have been the first guy I picked when we did the spring camp. I've been very high on Jalen Walker. Um, My next pick, I am going to go back to defense and go with Damon Wilson. I think that there was enough that he showed back in the spring um, to really catch my attention. I think that he's at a position, sort of like Ben was just saying, you know, looking at linebacker, um, you've got Chaz Chambliss, who is experienced, but still pretty young and a lot of talent there. I think that Damon Wilson is going to show why uh, he got the hype he did as a recruit. Liked what we saw as he was sort of getting his feet under him. Uh, it was very entertaining listening to Dara uh, get after him at practice, but I think it was coming from a place of knowing uh, that Damon's really gifted, and I think he'll have a chance to show that in fall camp. All right, Kip, it's back to you. I like it, man. I'm, you know what? I'm going to do it again. I'm going to pick a guy that I think is going to ultimately uh, beat out Damon Wilson for snaps this season. Uh, I, I don't, not going to say that Damon won't break out, but you know, I, I'm ready to see what Marvin Jones can do. And I, I think this is a really, really important fall camp for him because the opportunity is there. As we mentioned, Chaz Chambliss is going to play early downs because, I mean, he's a hell of a run defender. I, I think that, uh, you know, Cedric talked about it at uh, SEC Media Days about the hardest guy to block. Uh, it was either him or Brock. They mentioned that it was Chas Chambliss. Um, it, it may have been Brock that mentioned it because I was, I was in that breakout with him. But he just mentioned he was the hardest guy just because of, you know, just how heavy his hands were. But I think at the same time, uh, Marvin Jones has a chance just to – to really take over in, in camp and he's recovered from that labrum surgery and i think he's he's got what george is looking for at that edge position a guy that can play all three downs and uh you know a guy that again overall the athleticism uh this is why that you know they recruited him to georgia because he's six five 255 pounds and you know you have that kind of length and that athleticism uh, you just have to stay healthy and you, you have to think about it. Uh, you know, if, if he's healthy last year, 
he probably gets a bigger role during the season when Nolan Smith goes down. You know, they, Robert Beal was forced to take on a much bigger role, as was Chaz. Uh, but those guys are gone. And right now, Jones is going to be, you know, a, a guy that uh, Chidera looks at early on to see what he's capable of because he knows he has that natural talent. So I really like what he brings to the table. And I, I think he's really got an opportunity to, to have that breakout performance and, uh, you know, I really like him as my next to last pick. I guess this is it. I got to, you know, pick a guy to roll with. I, I can't go, you know, just all defense from a whole team. I got to start thinking about uh, guys who can, step, you know, step up. I think as far as the pass catcher position, it's just such a deep room. So I'm trying to look and see which, you know, is it a wide receiver? Is it going to be a tight end? I, I think I'm going to go with Oscar Delp. Uh, you know, you're not, we're not sure. Uh, how many two tight end sets we're going to see this year because, you know, of how deep that wide receiver room is. But, you know, after your top three or four guys, I think now you're starting to compete for snaps to get your best overall 11 guys on the field. And, yeah, I mean, Georgia's wide receiver room is is definitely stacked. And, you know, after Rosemary Jack, St. Lovett, Lad McConkey, now, now you're starting to look at, you know, Arian Smith, Dylan Bell, uh, you know, those are the guys and then rah, rah, those are the guys that are going to be competing to, to get on the field in formations. And I think that's kind of where Oscar Delp probably competes pretty well and pretty favorably just because he, he gives you a different look. But also, I mean, he's extremely athletic as well. He showed what he can do when Darnell Washington got hurt last year. Last year. I just think that, again, uh, he's extremely talented. I think he's really athletic and I, I think especially if uh, Carson Beck, you know, is letting it rip like I think he will. Oscar Dubs, a guy he can really take advantage of, you know, across the middle of the field. Uh, and I think maybe an aspect of, of Georgia's game that, you know, you haven't really seen opened up in the offense the last couple of years. Uh, you could see them unlock that with Oscar Delp and Carson Beck out there. So uh, I'm on team Delp. Went back and forth on this last pick, uh, but uh, I'm going to go with quarterback. I'm going to go with Gunnar Stockton. I think that there's been enough every time that, uh, you know, we've talked about Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff with any of the players or, or with Kirby. That it's like, hey, hey, don't forget about Gunnar. And, and to be quite honest, going back to last year, he was really impressive. And I think it was after the national title game that Kirby talked about Gunner being like, hey, take my black jersey off during practice. You know, let me get hit. You know, I want to let you guys get the reps that this defense needs. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced we're going to be looking at UT Martin and all of a sudden Gunner Stockton's your starting quarterback. But I think we're going to hear about legitimate strides he's made. And even looking to the future, you know, where a lot of people um, expect that 2024, oh, Dylan Raiola is coming in here and this is his job. I think that this fall camp is going to show a lot of us that is nowhere near the case that they're going to have a guy in Gunnar Stockton, no matter what happens with the other quarterbacks, that they're going to feel good about Gunnar and what he can do going forward with Georgia. Maybe not so much in the short term, but in the long term. All right, Ben, you are back on the clock with the Mr. Irrelevant pick. You know, I mean, this is a this has amounted to a lot lately. You know, you got Brock Purdy leading uh, the 49ers to the NFC Championship mm -hmm. game. There's a lot of value in this very last pick. Yeah, there's a lot of guys I want to take here. I can't believe I only get to take five. Um, I can't believe I'm going to take my – I'm going with the same position group for my last two picks, but I'm taking C.J. Allen with the, the last pick of the draft. Um, he's a guy that I know generated a lot of buzz. Um, again, I don't know exactly 
where he fits in right now in the linebacker room. But I think by the end of the season, he's going to be one of those guys that's just impossible to keep off the field. He's going to contribute on special teams. I think that he's going to benefit sort of like Jalen Walker. He's going to benefit from early injuries and just there being reps for, to go around. Um, I really struggle, oh, man. There were a lot of guys that I wanted to take there, but I got to go CJ Allen there. I wanted him on my team for sure. I think that's always part of it is trying to figure out uh, who you got to have and then being able to live with uh, whoever you skipped. We're going to roll through these teams now that they are complete. Uh, Kip had the first pick. His team is quarterback Carson Beck, safety Jonel Aguero, cornerback Dalen Everett, outside linebacker Marvin Jones Jr., and tight end Oscar Delp. I had the second pick. I went with inside linebacker Xavion Sori, cornerback Julian Humphrey, wide receiver Dylan Bell, outside linebacker Damon Wilson, and quarterback Gunnar Stockton. Then had the third pick, and he went with wide receiver Dominic Lovett, defensive lineman Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, offensive tackle Ernest Green, outside linebacker Jalen Walker, and inside linebacker C.J. Allen. Uh, before we wrap up this episode, you kind of talked about this, Ben. There was a few guys you were still looking at. Give me one honorable mention for your draft, a guy you really wanted, just couldn't make room for. I mean, I had him I had him at the top of my outside linebacker board, or just, I guess, outside of Jalen as the potential flex guy. But Darius Smith is a guy that I'm really excited to see this year. Just athletically, that he can do things that other people just can't do. Um, so I'm excited to see really what he does. I, I really wanted to take him. That was the one that hurt me the most not to take. Yep, how about you? Who was who was the next up on the board that uh, just couldn't pull the trigger on? Jordan Hall, a guy that, uh, you know, you you lost a guy in the transfer portal that was the uh, number one pick in my spring breakout group, and now the, this position room, there's more snaps up for grabs, and now you have, uh, you know, one of the most impressive freshmen, you know, in the country coming in in Jordan Hall. And, you know, once he, he, he learns what these – you know, fall camp practices are like and adjust to that. I think he has a chance to to really show out. And after Warren Brinson at defensive tackle, uh, you know, you know Zion Lowe's gonna play, you know, both positions, nose guard behind his ear stack house, but also some at defensive tackle. But after that, I mean, uh it's a big camp for Christian Miller as well. But I think Jordan Hall has a chance to come in and really impress and and earn some significant snaps. And I just think that from everything I've heard about him, he's an incredible talent. And, and Georgia's had some incredible defensive linemen over the last couple of years. I just think it, he fits the mold of, of being in that same talent level, a guy that can come in and, and, and play important snaps in his first year. We're already making front office moves over at Team Jordan for leaving Jordan Hall on the board. Uh, that, that seems like an oversight we may regret. The other guy that I thought uh, long and hard, and really with that last pick, was Roderick Robinson. Yep, One, because, because of his talent. But two, I've still got a lot of questions about running back. You know, it sounds like Kendall Milton's good to go. You know, we've got Andrew Paul still working his way back from that ACL. I think we will see him, but, you know, he'll have a brace and we'll see how much he does uh, with the team. Um, and, you know, Dejon Edwards was banged up a little bit and we don't know. Sort of along the same lines as Smile Munden is Branson Robinson. I think that that could lead to a big opportunity for Roderick Robinson, and he looked good in the spring game. You know, I really liked what he had to show. Um, he's a guy that uh, by the end of fall camp, I may be looking at this team and going, I, I really blew it on this one. 
Yeah, Roderick, uh, I, he was definitely in consideration for me for that last pick, too. I, w- I just watched the spring game over the weekend, and it took three guys to tackle him every time. Yeah, I think he is set to have success, no doubt. Uh, so we were going to wrap up the episode here. I would tell everyone who is watching this to take a look, uh, keep an eye out on Twitter. We will put up a poll with these teams and let everybody vote on who they think will have the best team. And just like we did at the end of this spring, we will revisit it uh, in the UT Martin week, getting ready for the start of the season, see how this uh, panned out. Um, we will also have a poll on our board where everybody in the junkyard can vote as well. So we're going to wrap up the episode there. Appreciate everyone who tuned in live and everyone who's listened to this after the fact. I appreciate Kip and Ben for taking some time to to go into draft mode and, and pull out some of the guys we think are really going to stand out. Be sure to like, subscribe, uh, leave a review, five stars on wherever you are listening to this podcast and subscribe on Dogs 24-7 on YouTube. So we're going to wrap it up there. Going to have a lot of content this week. It is fall camp week, and uh, we are super excited to get back into football mode because the season will be here before you know it. Until next time, take care, everybody. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. Is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.